The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Those of you that were here on Wednesday night know that we spoke for about 15 minutes from Psalm 146. But I haven't been able to get Psalm 146 off of my mind this week, and so this morning I want to go back there. If I, could, if I could name or put a name on the message this morning, it would be this. The world is in chaos. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The world is in chaos, but hallelujah. Listen to the first verse. Praise ye the Lord. Now let me stop right there and tell you what that, what that word is in Hebrew. That word in Hebrew is halal. It's the word we get hallelujah from. Halal. And it means praises. Praises to Jehovah. And I'll tell you, beloved, this psalmist who wrote this had some wise insight into where our hope lies. I've said this often lately, that our hope does not lie in the governments of men. The kingdoms of this world will never do anything but disappoint us. Sometimes we're blessed to live in a nation where we determine the future. We get to elect our representatives. We get to go to the polls and have a free exercise of our will. I realize there's been a lot of, a lot of questions about the integrity of elections, and that's always an issue. But that's not what I'm here to talk about this morning. What I'm saying to you is we still live in a free society, and we have the right to have a say-so in who governs us. But, hallelujah, the election didn't go my way. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. What should I do? When I lose, what should I do when things are bad in this nation? What should I do when Babylon rules the day? Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord. A lot of troubles today. The events of the past months, not just last week, but including last week, but the past months of seeing people who take up arms and riot and cause problems of unrest in, in the politics of this nation and in the world. What we're seeing there is a people whose only hope is in politics and the princes of this world. And this is not a political message. Let me make that disclaimer up front. This is, this is not about what happened last week or last month or last year or the last four uh, years. But let me tell you, beloved, the Bible is not a political book. There's no political parties in the Word of God. Listen to this. Verse 1, Psalm 146, praise ye the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, will I praise the Lord. I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. Put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. His breath goeth forth, he returneth to his earth. In that very day his thoughts perish. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God, which made heaven and the earth and the sea and all that therein is, which keepeth truth forever, which executeth judgment for the oppressed, which giveth food to the hungry. The Lord looseth the prisoners, 
The Lord openeth the eyes of the blind. The Lord raiseth them that are bowed down. The Lord loveth the righteous. The Lord preserveth the stranger. He relieveth the fatherless and widow, but the way of the wicked he turneth upside down. The Lord shall reign forever, even thy God, O Zion, unto all generations. Praise ye the Lord. Let's just take a few minutes this morning and try to dissect this psalm and see how it applies to us today because I believe it applies exactly to us right here on this day in 2021. Notice he starts out praising the Lord, which is the place where every thought of our minds and hearts ought to start. It's a place where every encounter with God ought to begin, whether daily life or in our thought life, in our church life. Praise the Lord. Things are going my way. Praise the Lord. Things are not going my way. Praise the Lord. My candidate won the election. Praise the Lord. My candidate lost the election. Praise the Lord. You believe the election was stolen. Praise the Lord. You see, that's where all should begin. Praising the Lord. And notice the depth of our praise. It's a simple praise. It's one word, as I've said. Halal. Halal. One word. They don't need a bunch of words. In, in Hebrew, to get that point across, it's one word. It's where we get hallelujah. And the, the, I looked up the Strong's concordance definition, and they said it's a primitive root. <laughs> kind of sound like primitive Baptist, doesn't it? <laughs> it's a primitive root. That means it's a very basic, a very basic word. And, it's, and this is what it means, to be clear, to shine, to make a show, to boast, and thus... Listen to this, to be clamorously foolish, to be clamorously foolish. Now, I, I'm not going to put words in your mouth or thoughts in your head, but I bet you when I said earlier that the, that the title of the message is The World's in Chaos, Hallelujah, y'all thinking, that's foolish, <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Paul said, we are fools for Christ's sake. It doesn't seem right, does it, that we could rejoice in a day like the day we live in. It says to rave or to, to celebrate, to commend, to glorify, to praise. You see, when we praise the Lord, what we're saying is, God, you are the greatest. You shine brighter than any light in this old dark world. You sit higher than any king in the kingdoms of this world. You are more holy than the most righteous of all that we know in this world. God, you are the one who deserves our commendation. You shine so greatly. You rule so mightily. We love you, Lord. We praise your name. It is a simple praise. And notice it's a soul-penetrating praise. Yeah, we can say the words. They can roll off our lips, and I'm afraid sometimes in our, not, I'm not talking about our prayers here, but in our prayer life at, you know, that we see out in the world, people get up and they, they repeat phrases, and, they, and they'll, you know, the Lord's Prayer. Praise, you know, praise the Lord that He gave us the model prayer. I'm so thankful He did. But the model prayer can become a, a, just a ritual. It can just become something, we, you know, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You next thing you know, you're just babbling on, you see. And you're really not thinking about what he's saying there. I'm guilty of that. 
But the praise that God desires of us is a soul-penetrating praise. The psalmist here said, praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. And he repeats it, hallelujah. He said, praise ye the Lord, O my soul. O my soul. What's your soul? Well, your soul is your life. It's your being. It's, 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 it's that which... It literally means that which breathes. In other words, it's your inner being. It, and I'll tell you, beloved, your soul is that which is going to live forever somewhere. <laughs> uh, if you're spiritual, if you've been born of the Spirit, that is, then you're going to be in heaven forever. But every person's inner being is going to either, you know, we're, we're eternal cre- creatures. Did you know that? No, not our bodies. Not, not our bodies the way they are at least, but we are eternal creatures in that we are going to live forever somewhere. And, and this, he's saying here, our praise should be not just something that is ritual and rote and, and a habit that comes off our lips. It's something we should think about. It's something we should meditate upon. It should penetrate down into our being. I've been, I've been to the point where I'll, you know, I just say, praise the Lord, you know, and, and don't really mean it. But I tell you, when I've felt it, when, I've, when I have been able to, to feel it down in my very soul, <laughs> that puts me in a different place. In Psalm 104 and verse 1, the psalmist says, bless the Lord, O my soul. Psalm 104 and verse 35 says, bless thou the Lord, O my soul, praise ye the Lord. Same phrase there, right? So our praise should be simple. It should be deep. And notice the extent of our praise. Look at verse 2. While I live, will I praise the Lord? And you don't have to turn there. I know it's a lot of turning, but in Psalm 104 in verse um, 1, or verse 33, I'm sorry, it says, I will sing unto the Lord as long as I live. I will sing to the praise to my God while I have my being. And notice what he said here. While I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praises unto the Lord while I have any being. (laughs) In other words, you ask the question, when is it that we should not praise the Lord? When is it that we should stop praising him on this earth? I'll tell you when we should stop praising him is when we stop breathing. (laughs) That's when we should stop praising him. And by the way, when you stop breathing, you're not going to really stop praising Him. Then you're going to really be able to praise Him for real for the first time. <laughs> psalm 150, just a few pages over. You might want to turn there. It's the, it's the last psalm. It has, it's very instructive on our praise of God. And again, it uses the same phrase here, the Hebrew hallelujah. <laughs> praise the Lord. Halal. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise God. In his sanctuary. Notice, notice verse 1. Where should we praise him? We should praise him in his sanctuary. We should be praising him in the church. But it also says, praise him in the firmament of his power. Where is that? Well, that's everywhere. That's everywhere. We certainly need to praise him at church on Sunday morning and Sunday night and whatever Wednesday nights we meet or whenever we're here. But we need to be praising him wherever we are because we, we, we should never find a time when there's, it's not appropriate to praise the Lord. He says, praise ye the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in the firmament of his power. That's that's where we ought to praise him. Now, why should we praise him? Praise him for his mighty acts. 
Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Is there anything God has ever done in your life that you have not been impressed with? You know, anybody here that stood around and said, well, Lord, you know, I was a pretty bad sinner, and, you know, I know you, you gave me the new birth. You born me again. It, it was okay, but couldn't you do a little something better? <laughs> I'm telling you, beloved, when I think about who I was and who I am now, I can't help but praise the Lord. Now, sometimes when I get blinded by my selfishness and my own sense of self and the world and the things I'm interested in the world, I don't meditate upon those. I grant you that. But when I really remember how wretched a sinner I am, I have to praise the Lord. Because, see, I, we don't believe here at this church, and I believe the Bible doesn't teach that we had anything to do with achieving our eternal salvation. Now, if I had something to do with it, I might not praise the Lord quite as much. But you know what Paul said over in the seventh chapter of Romans? He, he's talking about how bad he is. He said, I do things that I don't want to do. I don't do the things I want to do. He keeps building up and building up. And finally, I can just see the tears rolling off that dear old saint's eye, down that dear old saint's face as he writes these words and almost like an exclamation, Oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? When you see the wretch that you really are, when you find out how wretched you are, beloved, when you see yourself in the mirror of God's Word and you understand that you are a bankrupt, hell-deserving sinner with nothing of your own to offer to the Lord, even your very righteousnesses, every good work you've ever done without the Lord, without His Spirit, is nothing but filthy rags in His sight. When you see that, you have to exclaim the same thing, with Paul, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Because I sure can't deliver myself. But you know what his answer was? I thank my God through Jesus Christ, the Lord. You know what he did when he saw himself as the bankrupt sinner that he was? He said, praise God, hallelujah, for the amazing grace of God that's found only in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, there's praise him for his mighty acts. I love, I love his creation. We, we got out a few weeks ago. They were talking about the Christmas star, but what it was was the planets Jupiter and Saturn coming really close together, and it was amazing. We got Mason's telescope out. I could see the, some of the moons of Jupiter. It was unreal. I've not seen anything. We went to New York City in 2017, and we saw amazing sights, amazing feats of architecture and engineering, and there are some amazing things out there that men do. There's nothing I've seen in my whole life that compared to that conjunction up there that day of Jupiter and Saturn. Just amazing to see that and to know that it's held out there by the hand of the Lord, by the, by the things that He put into place in His creation. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. There's some great men in this world, I know, but there's none so excellent in greatness as the Lord. He sits high in heaven on His throne. He is great. Why should we praise Him? For His mighty acts, for His excellent greatness. Now listen how we should praise Him. Notice the next few verses. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with a psaltery and harp. Praise Him with a timbrel and dance. Praise Him with the stringed instruments and organs. Praise Him upon the loud cymbals. Praise Him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Now, I like country music. 
I grew up on country music, but have you ever listened to the words of some of the, some of the songs? They're not all that edifying, usually. One of my favorite and most, uh, most stereotypical country songs I ever heard was a song that's on, a, y'all never heard of it, I know, but it's, it's on Bashful Brother Oswald's album. He was a dobro player for, for uh, Roy Acuff. And Oni Wheeler, who was the uh, French art player for uh, Roy Acuff, wrote this song. And the, and the name of the song, it's, it's the be- I mean, it's, it's typical country music. The name of the song was, Should I Tell My Wife I'm Dying? You know, in that typical country music, it's all about somebody dying or, or he stopped loving her today. One of my favorite songs. But what's it about? It's about a guy who lived his life in despair because he lost somebody that he loved. Now, listen, I'm not knocking country music. I'll, I'll talk with you about it and play it for you all day long. But it's not that kind of music that he's talking about here. Let me tell you, I don't care who broke up with you. I don't care who died in your family. I don't care who uh, kicked you out of, uh, of whatever job you're in or whatever problem you're having. Listen, praise Him with the sound of the trumpet, with your, with your voice, with your music, with everything you do, you should praise Him. You see what He's saying here? Notice all the different types of instruments that He, he listed here. He's saying every which way you can, praise the Lord, you see. Isn't that amazing? No matter what happens, no matter how bad your life seems to be, praise the Lord with everything you got. And notice notice this last part. When? When should we praise Him? Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. There's that hallelujah again. You see, our praise of Him should be to the extent of every portion of our lives. Our praise of Him should extend to every aspect of our lives. Every time, every place, for everything that He has done, praise is called our modern-day sacrifice. We don't come down here and sacrifice bulls or lambs or goats, but Hebrews 13 and verse 15 says, By Him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks unto His name, praising the Lord. That's how this psalm starts out. But notice then he begins to talk about trusting in princes, trusting in princes. Verse 3, back in Psalm 146, Put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. His breath goeth forth, he returneth to his earth. In that very day his thoughts perish. Beloved, we should not trust in princes. You might reword it this way in our modern day. We should not trust in politics or politicians. We should not trust in the governments of this world. Back in that day, the princes were the governments of this world. And by the way, that word son of man there is not talking about Jesus. Uh, You know, many places in the word of God, he's called the son of man. That's not what he's saying here. Remember, context is everything. Here he's saying the princes or the children of men are not where you need to put your trust. And that's not the first time we've heard this, is it? Back in Psalm 118 and verse 9, he said it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. He's always directing our minds away from the kingdoms of this world. There was a time when Pilate was talking to Jesus and he said, basically saying, uh, 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 tell me about your kingdom. Tell me what you're talking about. He said, if my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight. But my kingdom is not of this world. Beloved, we're not living in the, we have to live here 
in the kingdoms of this world. I get that. But our focus should not be on the kingdoms of this world. Put your trust in the Lord and don't put your trust in princes. The Lord, the, 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 uh, the Lord prompted the, uh, the, the, the writer of Proverbs to write, The horse is prepared against the day of battle, but safety is of the Lord. <laughs> You know, even when you've prepared, even when you've done all you can do, you, you can do everything in your power to prepare yourself for the problems of life, but safety is not going to lie in your preparations. Safety is of the Lord. So why should we not trust in princes? Well, we don't, have to ask, we don't have to question that because he tells us. In verse 4, he said, The power of a prince or a politician is fleeting. His breath goeth forth. He returned it to his earth. I think I mentioned this Wednesday night. You remember James chapter 4? Over there in verse 14, I believe it is, he says, For what is your life? It is even a vapor. It is a vapor. Not even smoke. You know, smoke kind of hangs around, but a vapor, you just kind of barely see it and it's gone. You ever been out there working in the heat of the day and you see the, the heat vapors rising up off the pavement and, and you, you get up close, they're gone. They're, they don't even linger. There's nothing there. Smoke might even linger in the air, but our lives aren't even smoke in the sight of God. It's just a vapor. It's just a vapor. See, the power of a prince or a politician is fleeting, but the person of a prince or a politician is fleeting. Think about this. It says his breath ultimately leaves him and he returneth to the earth. <laughs> Hitler was the most feared man in all the world in his day. But on April 30th, 1945, he took his own life. He was gone. Just like that. Anybody here afraid of Hitler today? I'm not. I, I don't even think about him most days. The only time I think about him is when I'm looking back in history and reading about him. He's gone. Joseph Stalin caused the deaths of thousands, if not millions of people. Where is he today? He's in the ground. His body's returning to the dust. Isn't that what Ecclesiastes tells us in chapter 12 and verse 7? Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. You know what the summation of it all is? Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, all is vanity. Now, he's talking about the view under the sun. I think about, you know, men in my life and men and women that have been important in my life that are no longer with us. And I, I think about Mr. Richard Owens, Brother Edward's daddy. He was a prince of a man. My daddy, I considered him to be a prince of a man. My granddaddy Springer, people, you know, he was known. They were known. They, were, they had friends. They were known in the community. They were, but you know, they're gone now. And some of these young folks don't even know their names. If my, if my grandchildren are ever to know the name of Harold McCool, I'll have to tell them that. They'll have to be told about him because, and, 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 and most likely in a few generations, uh, except for going out and seeing the, uh, the writing on the tombstone, they won't know who it is. I have no idea who my great-great-grandfather Francis Marion McCool really was. I've heard stories. We've been talking about him. Where did he live? We don't even know where he actually lived exactly. We're not sure where, where some of our ancestors are buried. Right? You know, they're, they're gone. And they were, no doubt, they were great men. They had influence in their communities. There are great men that have been presidents, who have been kings, who have been tyrants and dictators. And they're gone. Their breath has gone out, you see. And in that very day, his thoughts perish. 
I think about Julius Caesar often. Roman history was just a real passion of mine and still is. And I was reading not too long ago about the life of Julius Caesar and listening to a podcast about it. Do you know how many plans that man had for Rome and for the, for the you know, when Caesar was, when Julius Caesar was living, Rome was still a republic. It was about to transition into the empire. Uh, and, and instead of being ruled by the Senate, it would be ruled by a dictator, by an emperor. But Julius Caesar, in, in a real way, he was probably the first emperor in a sense. He had plans. There was, there was this group of people called the Parthians that lived over in the Middle East. They were always the sworn enemy of the Romans. But, but they were so far away, they didn't have much interaction. Man, Caesar had plans to take his legions of armies over to the Middle East and conquer the Parthians. They were the Persians and people like that, probably in the area of Iran and Iraq. And There's no telling where he would have gone. But on the Ides of March, March the 15th, I believe it was 44 B.C., he was assassinated. He was going to leave in April. He was going to leave, headed over there. You know what happened? All the thoughts and all the plans that he had, they perished with him on the Senate floor there in Rome. You know what happens to the, to the presidents that we love, to the presidents we don't like, to the politicians that are aligned with us, to those that aren't? You know what happens to them one day? They perish. And all their plans and policies and the things they were going to do, their thoughts perish with them now let me just say this i don't want to go this is not my purpose this morning to preach on how we should deal with politics in our lives except i do want to say this just remember this beloved we are the kingdom of christ we are the kingdom of god it's not a it's not a visible kingdom it doesn't mean we should not engage in politics we absolutely should especially in our world today but just remember that Christ did not come down here in the flesh to seek social change or to overthrow the government or to lead a protest or to do anything like that. The problems of his day were much more severe than ours. And he did not come down here saying, well, you know, the solution is a change of regime. No, it's not. The solution is a change of heart. The solution is having him give a new heart to his people and for his people who've been born again to follow him in everything that they do. Do I get upset about politics? I absolutely do. I got so upset on Wednesday I had to cut off the TV, I had to quit watching it, and every time I come in I actually just left the room and it was still going and I'd come in there and I'd stop like, like a dog on point. You know, I was sitting there and I finally just had to quit and go because I was getting so upset about everything, thinking about the hypocrisy of the media and the hypocrisy of politicians and the, the violence out there of those people that were doing the wrong thing uh, out there. And, and I just got so worked up, but I've got to remember, beloved, and praise God, he brought to my memory that Jesus didn't come to start a political movement. Aren't you glad? Aren't you? Because I'm going to tell you, I think we pretty much all here, most of us agree on most of the big points of politics, but I bet you if we sat down and started writing down exactly what we stand for on each and every individual detail, I bet you we'd find some places we disagree. I bet you there'd be a few points of contention among us. <clears throat> That's why the church is not a political organization. It's a spiritual organism, and Christ is its head. See, we're not protesters. We're professors. 
of Christ. We're ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ in everything that we do. Now, as we bring this to a close, notice the next part of this psalm. We're not to trust in princes, but he talks about hoping in the Lord. Hoping in the Lord. Look at verse 5. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help. You know, I like being happy. I don't like being sad. One of the downsides of getting older, uh, maybe you don't feel this, but I do, is that some days I wake up and for no good reason I just am depressed. You know, I don't have any reason to be. Everything's fine in my life and I just get up and I'm down and out. You know, somebody used to call it getting up on the wrong side of the bed. You know, seemed like the wrong side of the bed has become the side of the bed I get up on the most, you know. I'm going to have to change beds around or something. But uh, maybe I can sleep with my feet at the head. and my Anyway, that's, maybe that won't work. But, but one thing I've noticed is that as I get older, I tend to be more easily depressed about things or to get down and out about things or to get angry about things. I, I don't even like to confess what goes on up here you know, in my house, but, but I'll just say, let me just say that the word grumpy old man has been used more than once uh, over the past few, uh, few months. Uh, by my wife to describe me, but uh, I, don't, I disagree. I'm not, but, uh, you know, makes me mad when she says it. No, I'm just kidding. But you see, I like to be happy. I don't like that. I don't like being a grumpy old man, Brother Mackey. I don't like being ill for no reason or down and out. I like to be happy. And you know what most of the time my problem is? Most of the time is, is that I've got my hope set on something else. For the past three days, well, the last three days of the week, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, I got up worrying about the heat in the chicken houses because we were having trouble. And some of you, I've talked to you about that. And that was what was dominating my thoughts. It wasn't that I am a bankrupt sinner saved by the grace of God who doesn't deserve to have heat in his chicken house. <laughs> my thought was, why can't they get it right? And, oh, I don't know if it's going to work. And maybe the chickens will all be dead and Jordan's going to quit leasing the chicken houses. You know, I mean, all these things going through my mind and worrying about it. Do you, I, I hope I'm not the only one here like that. I think maybe I'm not uh, because I think we're all just about alike. But I'll tell you, beloved, I get up days like that. And you know why I'm not happy? It's because I'm not thinking that I have the God of Jacob for my help. Have you ever read the life of Jacob? He was one of the sorriest rascals you'll ever see, read about. <laughs> He tricked his father, lied to him, tricked his brother out of his, in, his earthly inheritance, went over there and cheated his father-in-law, but of course he was trying to cheat him. Ended up wrestling with the Lord. <laughs> After all God had done for him, he actually got a view of heaven. He actually got a view with his head there on a, a stony pillar. He saw... He saw angels ascending and descending a ladder up to heaven. I think maybe, you know, I keep wanting to think, if I'd just seen something like that, surely I wouldn't ever lose faith again. But, but you know, the children of Israel saw the Red Sea parted. And the very next thing, they're saying, oh, why did you bring us out here to die? You know, we're murmuring and moaning and groaning. Think about this, child. What has the Lord done in your life? Hey, I know... Us here at Zion, particularly, we can, most of us at least, if nothing else, point to this building and to this place here and to the revival that's happened here and say, you know, the Lord had done to me great things. <laughs> but you don't, I bet you're like me and you don't think about it every day. 
Those days when I get up on the wrong side of the bed, worrying and, not, and I'm not happy, it's because I'm not thinking that I have the God of Jacob for my help. If he never blessed me again, I've already had him for my help. If, I, if, I, uh, if my health declined, I end up like Job, scraping myself with a pot shard in the dung heap. He's already blessed me beyond that which I deserved. Happy is he that the, hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. <laughs> you know, Jacob is a representative of all the covenant people of the Lord. And we're told in Deuteronomy, the 32nd chapter, that Jacob is God's inheritance, is Christ's inheritance. We are the portion. In other words, we are his, beloved. We, we're, we're loved with an everlasting love. We're chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. God is our covenant God. He is the God of Jacob, and He is our help and our hope. Notice in verse 6 why we, should, why we should hope in Him, which made heaven. He created all things. He made heaven. You want to know why we ought to trust Him? Because, because He made everything. He owns it, you see. Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Notice that the rest of that verse, which keepeth truth forever. He keeps all things. He keeps truth. Truth here is faithfulness and reliability. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Notice in verses 7 and 8, He rules over all things, which executeth judgment for the oppressed, giveth food to the hungry, looseth the prisoners, openeth the eyes of the blind, raiseth them that are bowed down, and loveth the righteous. He, loves, he, he rules over all things and He cares for all things. Look at verse 9. The Lord preserveth the strangers, relieveth the fatherless and widow, but the way of the wicked He turneth upside down. He, he preserves and relieves the, the righteous and He frustrates the way of the wicked. And probably more than anything else, verse 10 tells us He will outlast all things. Listen to this. The Lord shall reign forever. Even thy God, O Zion, unto all generations. He will reign forever and ever. You know what Revelation says about that? You know, people get really nervous about the book of Revelation, but it's a real simple book. First of all, it's Revelation. It is giving us information about uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's called the Revelation of Jesus Christ. And in chapter 17... In verse 14, you find the summation of the whole book. He's talking about leading up to this, about Babylon the Great and all the kingdoms of this world, all the beasts, the, 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 the devil, and all of his minions. He's, he's given us a list of all of them and all the, all the rulers of this world that are going to be against uh, the Lord. And in the 17th chapter, in verse 14, this is what he says about it all. This is the summation of the whole book of Revelation, indeed the whole Bible itself. These shall make war with the Lamb. I believe there's a war going on in our world today. And it's not a war between Democrats and Republicans or Independents and Libertarians or, or regimes in this, uh, in, on this continent versus regimes in Europe, beloved. It's not a war like that. It's a war between the, the devil, between Satan and the Lord and his people and it says these shall make war with the lamb don't be surprised when things go south don't be surprised when things don't work out in this world and we have riots and troubles 
Because God has already told us it's going to happen. These shall make war with the Lamb. And, and boy, it's going to be a, a big uh, uh, battle and everything's going to be in, 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 in flux. And maybe it's going to be iffy whether we win or not. Well, let's see what he says. These shall make war with the Lamb and the Lamb shall overcome them. <laughs> That's a pretty quick war, isn't it? It's a pretty, pretty uh, simple statement, isn't it? Uh, it's going to be a war and the, the lamb's going to win. That's, that's all we need to really know. If you're getting down and out about the way things are going in our nation and in our world, I'm down and out about it too. But just remember, these shall make war with the lamb. In this world, you shall have tribulations, Jesus said, and the lamb shall overcome them. You know what he told his disciples? He said, in this world, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. He didn't say go around moping all day long. He didn't say go out and start protesting. He said, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. <laughs> You know why you can go around with a smile on your face and singing hallelujah in the face of the chaos of this world? Because He is the Lord of lords and King of kings, and they that are with Him are called and chosen and faithful. Praise God. That pretty much sums it up, doesn't it? We're going to have a war. The devil and his minions are going to be against the Lord and against us. But hey, he's going to overcome them because he's Lord of lords and kings of kings. And what about our status, Brother Chris? Well, guess what? We're called and chosen and faithful. Not faithful in every detail of our lives, but faithful in the sense that we will never fall away from him. Because we're chosen and called. So <laughs> praise God. God is our help and our hope. So how should we approach years like we've had in 2020 and like 2021 seems to be starting off as. Well, first of all, we should remember that God isn't taken by surprise. In fact, he told us this very thing. We're not turning there and read it, but over in 2 Timothy, the third chapter, just read that sometime. He says, I'll tell you, in the last days, perilous times shall come. I think we're in perilous times. Of course, the truth is we've always been in some kind of perilous time. Seems like it's worse. I don't know. It's not as bad as it was in Jesus' day. But I'll tell you, beloved, God is not taken by surprise. So how should we approach these things? Well, according to this psalm, we should turn away from these things and focus upon God. Isaiah tells us, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is constantly evaluating the things of the world no he said thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee that means focused and leaning upon the lord don't trust in princes you'll continually be frustrated and i tell you beloved no political victory is going to last don't trust in princes you will constantly be frustrated trust in god and then let's just, let's just notice as we bring this to, a, to an end here. Notice how this psalm ends. He goes through all of this. And he talks about the Lord and what all he's going to do. And then he says, praise ye the Lord. The psalm ends as it began. He started out, praise ye the Lord. Same, same word, same phrase. Hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord. All the world may be in chaos, and we see such chaos around us. What should, we, what should our response be? Hallelujah. The world is, is going against the Lord. What should our response be? Hallelujah. The world is in chaos. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. 
May we all shout this phrase continually throughout this coming year. Because I don't expect things to necessarily get better. I expect things will probably get worse in this world. Let's don't go moping around. Hallelujah. The world, Babylon is in charge right now. Hallelujah. Pray like Daniel. Oh, I'm in the, I'm in the den of lions. What did Daniel do? Oh, no, I'm in the den of lions. Oh, I, you know, did he wail and moan? and He prayed. He prayed. And I don't know exactly what his prayer said, but I know part of it was praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, Lord, I'm in this den of lions. Hallelujah. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. 